In this world full of ignorant bliss, our truth often gets dismissed. We all hide behind our screens, pretending to know what life truly means. But if you're here, I sense you're searching for something. Something beneath the surface, something deep within. It's time for your weekly dose of the pill that does the most. Chang, is this your first podcast? Um, no, it's not actually. It's probably my third. Oh, look at you. Nice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> season so, four. I mean, I don't know how I'll do, but... <laughs> <laughs> what was no the first pressure, one about? please. So, the first one was actually with a friend of mine. Um, this was like years back and we talked about imposter syndrome and this was probably even the first when i was transitioning from being an ra to starting my phd mm-hmm. and the topic was on imposter syndrome and kind of like overcoming that i think it's more of a journey um i think i'm at the mm-hmm. point where I, like, I don't really feel like an imposter anymore mm-hmm. um and the second one was um with a uh, quite a well-known um content creator on youtube um dr amina yonis um, so she runs a podcast alongside her YouTube page and stuff. So she was talking about kind of um, life as a PhD student and kind of balancing. I think it was more of like the work-life balance and the importance of that in right, actually right, facilitating, right. you know, being actually effective in the work that you do. Because obviously, right. you know, burnout is not cute. Um, <laughs> and just kind of like, I guess, sharing my experience on the sh- the struggles and me kind of getting to the point of realizing the importance of work-life balance and being more conscious in actually putting things in place to ensure that I am trying to be as balanced as possible. Okay. Um, so that, that those are the topics I've kind of touched on. That's interesting because we've actually we've covered to. both two top both topics <laughs> in this podcast. All be at different levels of uh, the podcast growth. Mm-hmm. I think we did imposter syndrome quite early on the podcast in the yeah, very first season. No, I think I was season two, but was it? Was it two? Was it, I think it was one because that was just two hours. Yeah, two hours. So two hours was one. Okay. Yeah, yeah and one. we yeah. did work life balance just last season actually. Yeah. Um. So we're quite in sync in that front, which is quite yeah. interesting. But of course, I think this would probably be a left field last, topic. So most chill. <laughs> yeah. It must chill. I mean, I've not listened to those ones, but I don't know. Have you listened to any of our episodes yet? Not to put you on the spot. I, do you have a um, sense of? We are so, so I think I do, but I d- not like I think just more for the kind of relaxed vibe that you guys have is what I know you for. I can't think of like a topic specifically. I think I've like done like quick listens. I listen mm. to stuff at like two x speed. So, uh, you too. <laughs> yes. uh, you too. Yes. Well, well, it, well, it doesn't seem to be able to connect. To are you are like, you on it as well? Uh, yeah, I'm me. on it as well. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, 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 Look, it's, that's uh, the only way I can process information. <laughs> I know. I find you a lot weird. I find you a lot. I, I just some do some do something to your Look, head. Look, yeah, you need to join us. Join <laughs> yeah. the madness. Yeah. That's well, that's basically it, Wale. Like you're actually behind. Like, <laughs> really, really, really. Like every, every time I open up a video or any app and I can't see like the speed control, I'm like, oh my god, if I actually get to <laughs> proper stress, like proper stress, because I'm like, yeah, okay, well, it's just too slow for me now. No, yeah, no, and no. that's the thing. It's funny because like, so when I say this to people, I'm like, okay. I, I have to now watch things at 2x because otherwise it sounds like they're talking in slow motion. And mm-hmm. people try to come to me and say, oh, what about in real life? In real like, life. It's different. It's different. It's in, very, yeah. Exactly. Because like in real life, like it's a two-way dialogue. So like as you're speaking, I'm processing your information. But if I'm just listening to something, it's like I'm not, inter- I'm not engaging with the conversation that I'm listening to. So it's yeah. a whole different yeah. thing. Mm. <laughs> okay. okay. It seems like you've already done your thesis on 2x. <laughs> 
guess. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you guys to you it. Know, yeah. Yeah. Do you know how I've had to justify this? Justify, I know. I know. I know. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, but don't worry, Wale. We'll welcome you when you decide to join us. Okay. Uh, okay. If I if I join you guys, I shall give you a call when? and say when. I shall, when? I'm, I'm join part of it. If okay, when okay, when when I join, when I join. Um, but. Speaking of speed, though, I think one of the things that we're trying to accelerate on the podcast is being able to connect to different audiences and topics beyond what we normally do. Mm. And we won't do that for a long time, but we'll just say, let, let's just launch it this this year. And I think one of the things why I approached you was, obviously, I've been following you for a minute on Instagram, and I've been seeing a lot of your reels. I've been getting a lot of information, a bit of information from what you do, of course, mm. but also a bit of information from... Yeah, your your field of stem cells and your fishes in the lab, etc. <laughs> right, but I never actually got a deep sense of what that actually means. But in some sense, I knew that had a connection to who we are as human beings. Mm. Now, of course, logically speaking, I'll do my deep dives on Google, but reading about it just never felt the same as if it would be if I'm talking to somebody. But again, that also coincided with the fact that Toby and I have been speaking a lot about um health. In social mm. conversations, um, sickle cell in social conversations, and just general consumerism in health in areas. So I thought that that could be a good merger because I've been curious about stem cells and your work, and this is something that is also relating a bit, some way in a vague abstract way, to the other side of which I'm curious about. So which is why this was a no-brainer for us. So yeah. also glad you're on board. Glad you're here to join this ride with us and um, <laughs> conversations. It'll um, be a ride. <laughs> It will be a ride. It will be a ride. <laughs> but maybe let's get the basics out of the way first. Um, obviously, what is your research about? And maybe let's just start there. And then I can pose my other questions of um, what that brought in my head. Mm. So, I mean, just to kind of come to what you were saying earlier, I think with a lot of what I do online, I think the angle I push it at is more of like talking about the bigger topics of stem cell. Yeah. I don't like to... I think there's this, this, so in academia, there's this whole thing of like, you can get scooped. So I don't always go into like the details of my uh, project yeah, just because yeah, like, you know, yeah, and especially yeah. I, I don't then talk about the results of the things I get because, yo. No. <laughs> Before you know it, it's already in a no conference one, somewhere published. No one is stealing my PhD from yeah, me. Sorry. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah um, I can definitely relate to that. For the most part, like, so for me, what I'm really interested in is Understanding how cells make decisions during development. That's like my big, big picture. Now oh, underlying Yeah. It's a huge top it's a it's a it's a crazy question because it's just by itself it's such a huge question. So for you know, the way I try to kind of approach the question is then to kind of break it down into chunks. So the question is, okay, how how are cells making decisions during development? And when we think about cells making decisions during development, we think about them like changing cell state so they change the identity so they go from stem cells which have the um, ability to differentiate into any cells in, in the body and then they sequentially differentiate and until they get terminally differentiated what i want to understand is like what are the underlying mechanisms that allow that to happen so when we think about the cell we think of the nucleus right. within the nucleus we have the dna and we have all these different proteins and genes and all that kind of stuff now when we think about in the context of stem cells um, so I work with mouse embryonic stem cells and we have them in this kind of self-renewal state. And what we essentially do is basically like freeze them in time. Now, the time that they mimic in development is a very transient like scope of development. It's probably like probably like maybe half a day of development, but we, we're, we're able to keep them frozen in that state. Right. Now, we now in regards to that, we know that, okay, for that state, there is a network of proteins and genes that kind of 
think of it as like, a, like an on and off switch, right? So when all of these genes are communicating and touching each other and like, you know, doing all that stuff, the cells are like, okay, we're staying self renewal. We're poised to receive any information and, and differentiate into that way. But then you have then like research that shows that, okay, this network needs to be so intricately like put together because sometimes you have really key player um, proteins that if that protein is removed or knocked out or mutated, the network falls apart and then cells start to differentiate when they're not supposed to. So what, as I said, going back to the kind of mechanism, I want to, I want to understand, okay, what happens when like this protein that is normally there is then removed? What are the initial steps that occur that then results in um this outcome so within that there's a type of there's a specific type of um proteins that are able to bind to dna and these are called transcription factors so you can have like two sets two major sets of transcription factors you have like pioneered transcription factors that are able to go to a specific place in the dna and propel the activation of genes that then result in the cells changing states so they're like basically they're basically the ones that are like let's say you have a fire the firemen that go there okay cool we need to start doing work and we need to set you on your way to do stuff right those are the pioneer transcription factors and then you have the ones that are like okay the the pioneers have been there let's go and help let's let's go and do you know something Mm -hmm. so so that's kind of like the two sets of tfs um transcription factors tfs i'll use that for the rest of the session if that's okay um so there's a there's a specific TF that I'm then focused on that was previously thought to be this like you know boom boom you're there yeah and then they did some experiments they knocked out the gene and the cells were still suffering new and they were like okay (laughs) all right I don't Mm. you're not really main character like that so then what I'm doing things okay if if it's not needed for this specific like trait of the cell to keep the cells in the self-renewal state what is it needed for interestingly um in these cells that I had this gene knocked out. The cells, imagine this, they're still receiving information to stay in a self-renewing state, right? And for the most part, they do. But then there's like a small percentage, like two to five percentage of the cells on, on in culture that starts to differentiate into neurons. And not just like early stage neurons, late stage neurons. So we're like, okay, cool. So this protein is probably not needed for self-renewing, but it might be acting as a neural inhibitor because in its absence, yeah now cells are differentiating into neuro, into the neural state. Mm. So now we're like, okay, let's explore this a bit further. And then I'm using like certain like um, techniques, um, kind of manipulation of the genome where I can endogenously tag my gene with this kind of like little, very small tag. And when I add a, when I had a, a chemical to my culture, I can induce the, um, I can induce the degradation of this protein. So within an hour of adding this drug, my my protein of choice is gone Mm. like it's gone so then i'm like okay cool it's gone now what are the immediate things that happen when this protein is gone because that's how i can start going into understanding the mechanism of what happens right and for me it's okay i think this is the main character let me remove the main character what happens to gene expression what happens in the dna what happens to this what are the conformational changes that occur within the cell and how does that how does that impact the way the cells can respond to signals if they do are they able to still hear the signals and say, okay, this is what I need to do? Or is that protein needed for them to actually properly respond and do the right thing? Mm. So I'm doing that on kind of three levels. I'm doing it with ESLs. So that's kind of like doing the cell culture. Exactly. Sorry. Um, Mouse embryonic stem cells. Exactly. Sorry. Thank you, Toby, for reminding me. Um, And then for the most part, these are cultured. We call them on a 2D system. So they're basically just like cells that are cultured flat on the 
plastic. What we can then do is we can generate 3D cultures of sister, of um, embryonic stem cells. And these are cells that start to come together, really kind of talk to each other and start to mimic a little bit more structures that you see in the body. So um, the overall term for this are organoids. So like there's brain organoids, there's um, lung organoids. I work with something called gastroloids that mimic um, the very kind of early stages of development. So what I'm then doing is that, okay, if I remove this protein on the 2D system, what happens? If I remove this protein on the 3D system, what happens? What does that, how does that impact how cells talk to each other? Do they differentiate as, they, as they're supposed to? Is there like an increase in cell division of this particular cell type? Is there a active death, like apoptosis of this certain cell type? And then kind of all together, that should help it kind of have a full picture of this protein that I've removed in this cell, in these cells. How does it, how does it impact the cell itself, but also the cell in relation to other cells and how that allows development to kind of progress? And then with the fishes, which you mentioned earlier, Wale, so I use them as like an in vivo system to validate some right. of my findings. So fishes are great. I mean, I'm a fish stan, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like they are a great model system because you have like the females who can spawn. So spawn is like laying an egg and they can lay like, up to like 500 eggs in one sitting, right? So you have many N numbers and the eggs are transparent. So you can do really cool techniques where you can get them to glow, right? So you can be like, okay, if I remove this protein and I have like a reporter line, what's the impact on gene expression and all of these? So it's a great system for me to like validate what I'm doing in like a kind of in vivo system and kind of help to link a little bit and um, whether or not it's like a kind of a conservation function. Can you explain the in vivo system for anybody who may not understand Thank you. Um, so in vivo basically just means like body, right? So if it's that we say in vivo, that's like, okay, it's in in situ to some sort of body, right? Compared mm. to in vitro, which is like, if you think of in vitro, you think of like in vitro fertilization and like that's kind of like in a test tube kind of vibes. In mm. vivo is more of like, okay, we're inside a body. So zebrafish in this case would be like an in vivo system because a right. lot of the, a lot of the like results and data I'm working with is within like the zebrafish like embryo right mm, at right. 24 hours so I'm, I'm my output is pictures or like readings from that embryo not just from like Microsoft cells from it yeah exactly okay right so okay. yeah that was a very long shows <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> think... in four minutes <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry like, i don't think i and, the and worst I had, question i had i had sales so many times in like four minutes but the first question I, you can ask it, it, me is to tell me about my project it, i yeah. will just go on yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I think it shows having done a PhD, I, 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 as you were speaking, I understand everything you're coming from because if anybody doesn't know, what she was probably doing is what she does every day. She's doing that every day for probably months and years. And you can imagine every day you have this obsession, healthy obsession with a question you're trying to ask, answer, and you're working on that through several methods and several processes every day. So if someone asks you about it, you're asking them to answer a question of which they've had experience of something every day for months yeah so expect some kind of explosion <laughs> of words right so which is why when you went on that explanation nothing fazed me too much because yeah. I, I i kind of also saw it coming but i thought it was important <laughs> to give you that chance to do that as well at the start because i wanted to set the scene and i know some people might need time to listen to that again to understand some of my need when they powerpoint even understand that even better i get it i get it, i get it but maybe let me let me perhaps shed light on why this is an important conversation. So this is me going back to secondary school, and this might be a very simplistic explanation, but 
I remember secondary school biology class, Ms. DG would teach us that the body is made up of systems, right? Yep. Systems in the body make us work. Systems are made up of organs, right? That make systems function. Organs are made up of tissues, right? And tissues are made up of cells, right? So that was, that was, that was, I remember, I can't forget, that was, that was one of the ways where they showed us that, that track in biology school. Yeah. In biology school. Um, a way back, and I think up until I'll say probably last three four years, did I began to see the idea of stem cells as a mm. word go 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 up in in um media etc. So I guess one thing I want to kind of clarify on on the onset is from what you said, I think it sounds like we have cells, mm-hmm. right, and stem cells. And now I'm asking yes. a very pretty question because obviously I'm not a scientist. Mm. So scientists maybe, but not natural scientists like you are. Mm. Um, so first of all, why has there been perhaps a recent proliferation of this term phrase in, in media over the last few years? And again, can we just break that down? How those those differ from ordinary cells that we probably know on a very very simplistic basis? Mm. So, all right. It, it, let me just ask you your second question, and I'll go on to like you know the reason for why it's been blown up in the media recently so when we think of cells right so let's just break it down think about your skin cells right now these are cells that are super specialized to do what they need to do right your skin is the biggest organ in your body right it basically protects you from outside so if you think about your skin it's what we call terminally differentiated so it's reached it's reached the last bus stop right sorry i make the craziest analogy and that's Love how it. things yeah. make sense to me right so let's, let's, sorry, let, let's use that analogy right let's think of this that we are you know we're taking a journey right it's a bus or a train station mm. so with our skin cells they are at the last station they are at the terminally differentiated stage right mm. same with our eyes same with our um, red blood cells, same with our lungs. These are terminally differentiated cells. And these are cells that now have an identity state that allows them to function the way they need to function, right? So if you, if, you, if you look at a skin cell versus a red blood cell under the microscope, you can tell them apart because of their morphology, because of maybe the size of the cell. I mean, we know that red blood cells don't even have a nucleus, right? So it's all of these yeah. things. So there's this concept of like form and function that the, 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 the morphology of the cells is, 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 is kind of contributing to the function that it's eliciting in the body, right? So boom, those are your terminally differentiated cells. So that yeah. is kind of in an analog- analogous to what you were saying as normal cells, right? Let's just, just change, that, um, analog- um, change that word. So we're going to describe them as terminally differentiated right then if it's this so let's say these are the last bus stop now we're gonna go like to maybe five bus stops before the last last bus stop right the 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 further back you go on the bus stop the more the more um potency these cells have to differentiate so Mm. now we've got we've gone to the last bus stop let's Mm. go all the way to the first bus stop the first bus stop is the are your stem cells now let me just add one more thing to it. So we're at the first bus stop, yeah, mm-hmm. right? But the first bus stop is not actually the first bus stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's one even before that, right? And the one right. even before that are your embryonic right. stem cells, right? So the one before that are your embryonic stem cells. Now, the first bus stop, compared to our terminal differentiated bus stop, are your adult stem cells. So there's two types of stem cells in the body, right? right? There's adult stem cells and there's embryonic stem cells. Embryonic stem cells, which in its name, 
is saying these are the stem cells that arise from when you're still an embryo. So when you're in your mother's b- belly, all of that, you're, those are the embryonic stem cells. Now, when we are now like out, out in the world and we are now like, you know, eating and doing all of that kind of stuff, then we have in our body, in certain places, adult stem cells. So there are adult stem cells for the lungs, the adult stem cells for your gut cells, the adult stem cells, you know, we know about the bone marrow, we're going to come out to sickle cell right. later on, yeah. right? Those are your adult stem cells. Now, one thing I want to kind of really like um, emphasize is that there's differences between your embryonic and your adult stem cells. Your adult stem cells are kind of like, they're at the first bus stop, right? They can go but what direction? They can earn, exactly. Yeah. They can only go that direction. Once you enter that bus stop, that you're just going, going, going. Ah, going. So, so you're getting more and more terminally differentiated. Now, your embryonic stem cell, just think about it as like, deciding where you're to go. going. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. that, right? right? So what you then have, so in regards to stem cell, not, and I'm, I'm going to break your mind up one more level, right? Love it. Break now, it, break it, break it. <laughs> this, this really cool system, what you can do is that you can get your skin cells and you can reprogram them, right, to become pluripotent. So you can basically take them become back what, sorry? Pluripotent. pluripotent. So pluripotent is a term, if you think about it, like, there's two, there's two that? percent. P-L-U-R-I-P-O-T-E-N-T. Pluripotent. So there's two parts of the name. There's the pluri, means many options, right? Mm. And then there's potent, which means potency, meaning that it has the potential to differentiate into many things. Mm. And that is for embryonic stem cells. Now, adult stem cells will most likely be either multipotent or unipotent. Mm. So, for example, your... Adult stem cells for your blood are multipotent because you can get from those stem cells either red blood cells or white blood cells and then the other things right, that go in right. there. Yeah. That's not really my field, but, you know, that's very <laughs> high level, right? Yeah. And then you can have, like, situations like, okay, um, something that's a bit more... Un- so, like, maybe your your gut cells, they are more probably unipotent because, like, okay, there's, there's just one option. Mm. I mean, I'm probably wrong by that. Probably it's more, like... Not put doctor, but it's like the ones where you can have like two or three options because I know there's multiple cell types with your with your gut. So don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> but then, so so with your adult stem cells, they they their level of potency is more restricted, right? Mm. So you can have your long adult stem cells that are more multipotent compared to your pluripotent cells, which are embryonic. Mm. What is cool though is that you can get like cells that are terminally differentiated at the last bus stop, right? all the way back not even to the first bus stop before that before mm. that you can get that and it's so cool when this came out in the in like in wait the when you say you can get world. them back what do you mean that you can revert them to that state yeah interesting ah. yeah you can so these are called induced pluripotent stem cells IPA. and exactly and they've been actually a very great kind of um alternate way for us to study a lot of things with humans mm. So rather than, because obviously the whole ethics around, you know, and obtaining human embryos and working with that, because, you know, it's like you're taking that probably from aborted babies or that kind of stuff. There's, there's a huge ethics there. But if you're easily able to get skin cells from me, you induce it to get to, to their very, very early stages and do research on that, you're bypassing a lot of the ethics. So that's been like a big mm. thing in the, in the, in the field. I would even say recently because now it's just kind of like almost every day. I've I've worked with human I've worked with um human IPSCs before. Um so much so that like we ordered it from a company. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. We ordered it from a company and we're like, okay, cool, we want, we want to study this protein. So now let's knock this out and see what impact <laughs> it has. 
like so there's this technologies like this that are like really really cool so when we think about that so i think i think i've kind of probably got us up to date with like okay we know that there's our terminal differentiated cells at the last bus stop we have our adult stem cells that are the first bus stop and then we have our embryonic stem cells that are even before then they're like at your house when you've not even left your house that's mm-hmm. that's where they are basically um so with that um with with the embryonic stem cells because they have the potential to differentiate into so many things they have a bigger lever of the kind of questions we can ask but i think with that system really what we're asking though is what what is happening during development so very much developmental related questions like okay when you're in your mother's womb what is going on i mean i don't i don't really touch on something like that but i'm extrapolating here mm. um with adult stem cells that's when you're getting more into like, okay, what translational things can we do? So that's where it starts relating more to diseases, right? Because if they have, if you have cases like in the case of sickle cell, right, where you have like a mutation in the gene, if it's like you can go back all the way to the stem cells and maybe some way like have some sort of like technology that can correct that mutation in the gene in the stem cells, whatever they differentiate to, because they already, they're starting with a correct, right, like yeah, they're kind of yeah. something correct then it should be a, a good kind of corrective measure for that, right? Mm. But that's in the context of adult stem cells. Mm. Yeah? Mm. yeah. So mm. I think in regards to like the kind of upregulation, the boost in stem cells in media, I think, I don't know if, if this is kind of cynical me coming through. I think it's cycles in science and what becomes like the hot topic that kind right. of gets then blown into media. Um, now, okay, this, I'm really about to blow your mind with this one, right? So I'm at Cambridge, right? And I think it was only just recently that I was kind of reminded again how, I guess, privileged I am to get to be so exposed to great science. I mean, great science, I think it's maybe almost a subjective term because I think there's some people that will find issues with kind of the the barriers that people are, or the way people are pushing science. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's a recent talk I, list, I heard too, and it became like this huge thing because you had, researchers two i think two labs in cambridge one in israel and one somewhere else that were showing um basically data showing that they've created synthetic embryos Hmm. so like they've generated embryos Hmm. in the dish (laughs) how (laughs) like oh Mind blown, basically, as well. (laughs) Well, like, wait, is this like this has already happened? Yeah, mice, mice. Okay, sorry. Let me just preface this. This is all my stuff, not humans. Yeah, Yeah, but still, still. Yeah. Yeah. What was what was that? It was funny because we had a situation where so the guy from Israel he came and he gave his talk. Jacob Hanna. Um, that's the the guy basically whose lab like was pushing this. And there's another lady in Cambridge. I can't remember her name, which is really really bad. Yeah, if you Google synthetic embryos, Cambridge and um, Jacobana, you see all of these. So what they're basically able to do is like, well, at the point where we're able to mimic as much as we can, the signals, um, kind of the environment that the embryo is growing in, in situ. And if it's like, you know, okay, what are the, what are the factors? What are the proteins? All of these things. You can make that kind of synthetically. And if you're culturing the cells in it, but that's all they know to do, right? They just, they, they just think that, we're there we're doing what we need to do mm. so that's been the case and yeah they i mean mm. when i when they were showing some of the data like they were comparing like the embryos that they generated to like human, actual mice actual embryos mice, yes, mice, sorry. and they were yeah. doing like loads of stainings like you can't contain like 
it's there. Like it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So for me, I think that that was the most recent thing that went big, right? A lot a lot of it came as media from Cambridge. And I think when you have stuff like that, it really just goes into the media and then it that just gets propelled right. more and more. Um but I think for me though, like it's there's a very kind of like cyclical thing with the the things in science that that somehow just get the traction. And I think it's just happened to be the case that it's stem cells. That makes sense. Time. That makes sense. But That's also in addition to that, like I think it, it, it is kind of um supported with I guess the promise that stem cells have. And I don't want to come across as like super cynical, but <laughs> but like I can see why people like lay audiences feel that like oh okay there's all of these things and i'm there as a rich they're like yeah but you know there's still so much we don't know like this is yeah. just like this is just the tip of the ice like we've there's more the more we know the more we know that we don't know and i don't think know, i can yeah. say that statement yeah. a lot of times and i have a conversation with my dad a lot right like we have conversation about what i do and i'm always trying to like kind of almost not police but like trying to like Trying to manage like his Bring expectations, yeah. Because like I feel like you, you hear this and you're like, oh my gosh, there's this big like thing. It's like, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think I, I think the classic thing with when you communicate science, particularly because um, science as a term, science as a discipline, whatever field you are in, whether you're in oncology, whether you are in I don't know, immunology, at least I have by whatever it is, I think. That that those few themselves are so niche. broad, mm. right? No, they are niche but equally broad, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, but obviously, to anybody outside, somebody beyond that boundary, you just see the I won't say the headlines, but you just see the abstract idea of of that field, and it, and it goes the same way when you communicate the message of potential of stem cells. You communicate perhaps what's the abstract goal could look like. Yeah. Well, as the researcher, we all know you're doing. Endless, endless experiments for years mm-hmm. for four years on something so tiny yeah right the very 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 tiny part of a big yeah. big story yeah. right but then you have to have that big story to almost sell yeah the, the importance of, of, of the tiny thing you're doing no that's exactly it and i think that's a little bit of a grab i have with academia at the moment is that like we have a lot of grants that <laughs> pis do not me <laughs> well, not my portion in jesus name <laughs> so sad say that but like you have to big it up you have to so like you, you have, have to like yeah, a, yeah yeah and then at the end you tag on like oh this could contribute to cancer research <laughs> okay Just yeah because. yeah yeah you know yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to like big it up because we're now getting to a point i think also with trying to fund science and trying to kind of get your research funded that it's now becoming more that more lay people are having access to the application system so like the, one of the big fund, science funders in the uk welcome They've kind of recently reshuffled kind of the the way they want to fund science. They've kind of made made it more like big picture. So now they've brought like in into like mental health and awareness and that kind of which is fine. But you then get like a lot of like the blue skies research are now suffering more because mm. it's like the people who are reviewing it are not people who are in the field. Thinking, they are yeah. like regular, yeah, they're people. Yeah. They're regular people. So it's like I mean, on one hand, I see that okay, it's quite good because I think one thing that I'm really passionate about, and I think yeah. it's very important that all scientists must be able to communicate their research to anybody, right? Yeah. We're, not, we're not there hiding away and doing our own thing and like in secret. Like That's mm. not the point of science. I'm, I'm mm. a very huge advocate for that. But then it, it, makes, it makes achieving, it makes attaining those fundings harder because there's now this big gap of 
you know, you need to knowledge yeah. that you're trying to overcome. And it's like, you can be so passionate about it. But if, if you're talking to someone who has no clue and doesn't mm. really fully understand the impact of what you're trying to do, like, it's almost like you're shooting yourself in the foot. Kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm going to jump in here because um, obviously reading about this and just trying to prepare for this episode, I think what was striking to me, and I'm going to take this conversation like a bit level up away from mm-hmm. the actual science of it into just the implications and what you're saying right now because yeah. i think it's it's quite similar to what's going on in the, in the tech space as well i guess technology and science are quite related but same thing with startups as well um you know when when things are about starting let's say ai for example are spoken about mm. in the media everyone is thinking about so let's come and steal jobs or they're stealing jobs they're taking jobs away there's all of these amazing things that is potentially possible but then obviously the technology is still like way miles away from you know, getting there and that sort of thing. You know, what, what ChatGPT has done really is, you know, there's nothing super brand new about what the technology is doing. It's more like they just package this in a way that is accessible to the layman. And then the layman is obviously like feeling very ambitious about what's possible. Now, that's a good thing. But like you said, I think one thing I was going to mention when you're talking about like funding and stuff is that, you know, sometimes what needs to get funded is not the final thing that is going to be on your screens and blow your mind. It's the you know, little thing that only has a very small part to play of a larger picture. Because yeah. I, I think even with stem cells, I think uh, there's, well, everything I was looking at, they always reference some doctor or scientist in Japan or something, some Asian doctor mm. who whose work yep. started the, you know, the yeah. whole thing. He was, he was the one that basically invented that. You know, I was talking about you can reprogram the cells yeah. from your skin cells to that. He was the one who, who found the four factors that you would program to take them to, back to in take time, them basically. back. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but, Yamanaka. But, yeah, exactly that, that name. And but yeah. I'm sure I'm sure when he, when he was working on what he was working on, again, I think he was even doing it for something else. And then this was kind of like a byproduct of that. And I'm making yeah. this point to say that, you know, sometimes the things that people get passionate about might be smaller pieces of things that maybe you don't necessarily see the end goal of it, but it doesn't mean it's not important. Because we have this thing of like being all or nothing. Um, which is the same thing that's happening now because maybe in the previous time scientists were too stuck up in their shell. Um, and not really communicate mm. to the outside world. So now they want them to communicate to the outside world, but then core science is now suffering on behalf of it. And so, yeah. Again, yeah. N- not a part of like this science conversation, but I just thought it was something that stood out to me while you were speaking as well and just me researching this. Yeah. yeah. And actually to touch on that, like one thing that I'm noticing and one thing that I'm jumping aboard as well, and I think is important is that there's now more of an incentive and a requirement, I think personally, for scientists to collaborate with, scientists from different fields just because we're now reaching such like a saturation in our knowledge right that yes, no, yeah. as you said right yeah. you, you you can have and a point the, where like novelty emerges from, from the collaboration exactly yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that because like you can't i mean there's only so much doors we can knock on and open right but now is at the point where like you know you're having like someone like me who's like a cell biologist like i'm interacting with people from like other backgrounds within science because the questions that we're now asking is like, okay i'm doing something on, on the biological and then if i need like the physical aspect of it or i hmm. need like using ai to like go I'm, i mean one thing that I, I was doing i was doing a course recently on machine learning how can i use machine learning to approach my my research or even me as like a scientist as well like i'm seeing the implications and the importance of actually brushing up my skills on coding right hmm. analyzing my big data so like i think we're now at the point where there really needs to be that merging of people from different fields so that we can start asking also really more interesting questions. Absolutely. And when, the, the, when you have more interesting questions, you, you bring things out that is like unexpected. And then that then also then drives a whole new like field of, mm. of knowledge. Mm. Um, mm. 
so yeah i think you're, you're definitely right about that yeah yeah in a field so niche as you are in how and obviously as you have a nigerian, nigerian background how did you generate such perhaps intrinsic um appeal for it and meaning from it um because ideally again maybe you, you can explain that in a minute but i guess my, my question is typically when a kid is growing up and thinking about what they can be in the future whatever um <laughs> you often get perhaps the most typical paths that you might think about and then if you land on paths that are not probably what you aim for you might still be happy but then how you speak about that path may not be with the same kind of perhaps passion or flavor as you are currently doing so i guess i'm just mm. trying to figure out how do you currently find meaning in what you're doing and how is this is this a place you've always thought you were landing so definitely not actually it's going back to what you said about you know being nigerian blah, blah, blah. I'm the first girl and the only girl. So eldest daughter syndrome, having to, and then the whole options of like, okay, be a doctor. Now for a while I was like, hey, I'm gonna be a doctor, medical doctor. Now, never in my <laughs> life. I'm so sorry. I appreciate the doctors. I have a friend who's a doctor. I appreciate all you guys, what you guys do. Um, but what's funny is that when I was applying for uni, I did originally want to apply for medicine. I did that. I got through to interviews for one of the universities, but didn't get through. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it as a graduate like course instead. So I ended up doing biochemistry at King's College in London. And in my second year of my degree, we had this, we had this lecturer who came in, a woman, which, you know, takes <laughs> number one. <laughs> And she showed her research and oh my gosh, like I think I fell in love. I think that I could probably say like that is like a a, a moment in my life that I was like, whoa, this mm. is this is cool. How so old she were you went, there? So um, I was in uni, so probably I was 20, 20, maybe right. second year of uni. Um, so she works with zebrafish and she had this really cool system where like you can basically gen she made she made like a line. That was a reporter for a specific gene. So whenever that gene is expressed, you can see the fish glow, like either green or red. So you, across development, you can see where this gene is going to. And I was just like, whoa, this is so cool. Literally, after her lecture, I walked down. I was like, I wanna, I wanna come and do a placement in like during the summer with you. And we arranged that. I went to her lab and I just fell in love with research. And for me, like that was kind of really unexpected because in my mind, even literally up till that day, I think before just before the lecture we had had like a whole seminar about oh if you want to apply for graduate medicine this is what you want to do like literally mm -hmm. up to that lecture and then I, when i went to the lab i was like fascinated and i was like okay this now seems like a potential option for me um mm. and i chased it and i think for mm. me it was for me when it comes to decisions with things it's like i can be very if i know i want to do something i would i would do it but i'm also having to do a balance of like okay i also want to be receptive to what comes to me so when I did that, I decided to then go back to her lab for my third year um, research. And I stayed there for another three months. I really enjoyed it. And I stayed for a master's in a different lab, also working with zebrafish. And at that point, I was like, okay, I had to then really decide, like, okay, Sean, you know, for the last, like, five years, you, you wanted to be a medical doctor. doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're falling in love with this. What can we do to make sure that this is actually what you want to do? And that's why it's told me we to do a PhD in immediately i was like let me go and work as an ra and i go into cambridge and i go into stem cells and i was like whoa okay this is really cool stuff and i think seeing myself yeah. seeing myself and seeing the way like number one i felt like 
the confidence in my competency and seeing like, okay, the kind of research that was being done. I think just having that interest in it was like the biggest thing for me. Mm. Um, and I think that's what kind of propelled me. When it came to then like, you know, kind of communicating your choices to other people, I mean, because up to then I was like, I was going to do medicine. So then saying to my dad, oh, plans have changed. Like, I think I felt like I had to like really be resolved in my decision. So I think sometimes it's the way you say things to people that makes it sed- sedimented in stone. Like I could have said to my dad, oh, I don't want to do medicine, but I don't know what I want to do. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like about was- having some kind of idea, at least. Exactly. If you're pivoting. Yeah, so when I was pivoting, I was like, okay, this is my plan. I plan to work as an RA for a couple of years and then I'll see how I feel. Do I feel, do I feel like a PhD is for me? And if that's the case, then I'll go for it. So like, mm. it was those kind of things. And for me, it was like, I didn't have like a five-year plan that, okay, by this time I was going to do that. But I always, always kind of give myself checkpoints. Like, okay, we're now a year in. How are we feeling about this job? How are we feeling about this? What are our options? What are we going to do? So for me, that's always my kind of like approach to life um now <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but i think so, because, i think because of the way i came into it that's why i'm so passionate about it because it came out of nowhere when i was like in sixth form yeah. i didn't even know what research was i think that's something that yeah. now i'm super yeah. passionate about of like how can i expose this like much option earlier. yeah to, yeah, yeah at an earlier and, stage because and that's one of the things me. that's one of the things where i i've realized as an adult that a lot of things we all do now as adults, we never knew of, of their existence um, prior to even five years ago. Yeah. Tiba, I was going to ask you, do you, have you, did you ever have that moment growing up from, from teenage, teenage years to now where you were in front of somebody, whether it's on TV or real life, and they spoke about something that lit you up, that you fell in love with? Yeah, no, I, I think that happens in multiple moments and, and things like that, right? So, what examples? Um, let's see. Can you think of on short so, notice uh, um i'll say like dancing for example let, let me pick like easy examples so you right know, okay um I, I used to dance um in in college and then obviously just seeing people do it at a certain level and thinking okay within my small space how can we start to like try to do that like i think for my dance group we almost changed the entire style of what we used to do based on this one video and this one group that we saw and what they were doing with dance right and that happens in so many ways even with the podcast you know we listen to something and i'm like okay that's quite interesting how they're able to do that how can we kind of like implement that as well so mm. i think i'm always I, I, as opposed to like pointing to one particular thing i think i'm always just soaking things up that look cool and interesting enough to me um and mm. finding a mm. way to make it work um which is why well yeah which is why i hold strong opinions about like multiple different things because i'm essentially always just looking out for for stuff and making decisions about if they're important to me and what they light up in me um just like Joan described yeah and obviously, we'll come back to this to the science topics in a bit. But I think I, I won't put that out because it seems to me like sometimes there's times in life where we fall in love with things. Maybe not fall in love, but you guys get the picture. You light up mm. and, and things. Mm. But sometimes we expect those things to always be the professional career things. I mean, for sure, obviously, that led you to where you are. And but for Toby, your examples you gave were nothing to do with your current mm. career hustle every day mm. work, yeah. work things. I think, as you were saying there about the woman who gave the research presentation about, the, about genetics, light, and et cetera, I was thinking, was there a time that I ever saw somebody speak about business and technology and leaderships and CIOs? Mm. And that I was like, whoa, you know, I don't think there was for me. I think everything I kind of ended up doing was me finding love in it and pushing love into it in some mm. way. And I think perhaps the only things that I have found as well that I, and i want to be that person is 
examples of how people do things that I do. Mm. For example, when I've watched somebody present something and an, and an audience reaction, I'm like, okay, I want to be that person, you know. Um, so I guess I, I want to put that message out there just so that we, we are all three people who've spoken about lighting up a moment of things that we've found ourselves doing, but they've been at different, at different kinds of elements. Some has been profession, some has been outside profession kind of activity, some has been a slow burner. And I, I, I guess it feels like relationships as well because they speak about love as first sight and, and growing in love, I guess. You can probably attribute that same analogy to yeah. that same um, idea. Hey, hey, how's it going? Um, welcome to your regularly scheduled Toby interrupting your episode listening experience. Um, anyways, just wanted to make some quick announcements. Like we said last week, um, we now have a Patreon account where you can get access to some of our bonus content, um, aka the Cinema Therapy episodes. This is where we... Actually, I'll let Wally tell you what it's about. Hi everybody, welcome back to Cinema Therapy, the episodes where we unpack complex topics using popular artistic productions written by some writer in Hollywood. And we anticipate that these artistic productions like movies would help us shine better light on the dilemmas our topics bring. All right, you heard it from Wale. So head on to our Patreon page to get access to these lovely episodes. You can find the link in our description. One more thing, we're actually also on YouTube now. Yay. So link is also in the description. There's going to be slightly different content up on YouTube. So get up there and see what it's about. Subscribe, like, share, tell everyone about us. We want to grow this as we always say. But okay, I've taken your time long enough. Let me let you get back to our very, very nerdy episode. Bye. Obviously, one thing that brings us together on this call is that we're all Nigerians, and obviously we didn't all grow up in Nigeria at the same time, but we're very conversant with the sickle cell thing. And I've written a lot about that this week, obviously, and I read, when I was reading about it, I was like, I actually did not know as much as Don't what I thought think. I knew yeah. on this. Um, Sean, how conversant are you with sickle cell um, in terms of technicalities of the science of it i'll be honest i'm not as conversant as i am with other stuff i know just a little bit um hopefully it's enough to carry the conversation (laughs) right 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 um but how should y'all educate me today with on that (laughs) (laughs) that's that's willie's job because i'm here like i'm here like okay um yeah uh i mean (laughs) For the most part, what I've learned is SCA, sickle cell anemia, is pretty much, I won't call it mutation. I don't know what the right noun is, yeah. official term is, but I know it's when certain red blood cells go into becoming an S shape as opposed to a tube like shape as yeah. they should be. And because they're then S shaped in nature, they can pass through um, tiny red blood vessels, your capillaries. Yes. And then they, because they can't pass through that, they, be, they also stick in a way through it. And then that yeah. blocks oxygen from going into the right organs or the right places. And this is something that is genetically installed. Yeah. And hence why you can't cure it. But obviously the, the only cures, in quotes, that have been emerging in the last few years, whether theoretical or in practice, has been bone marrow transplants. Yeah. Right. Now, bring that back to us being Nigerians, is the fact that 
I think in the world, 25% of people with sickle cell disease or sickle cell anemia are Africa. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we are a host of, I mean, we technically predominantly carry that particular gene in, from outside of the world. First of all, any reason why that is, I actually don't know. Do so anybody I, have I any idea? I don't know. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> but I feel like it's actually something to do a little bit with, um, it provides some sort of malaria resistance mm, yeah i think i heard yeah i think i've heard something like that. um oh, okay. I, I, I don't know the i don't know like the complete like details of it but i think there is a relationship with that that like um the the parasites the malaria parasites cannot reproduce as effectively within the red blood cells that contain the abnormal hemoglobin so you were talking about you know how it then forms ah. the, the weird mm. shape that's mm. because so you're right it's a mutation in um the gene that codes the hemoglobin protein so, so it's evolutionary I, so I'll, I'll i think i would say so perhaps, mm, okay hold on would, <laughs> I, let me not let me not make sure <laughs> statements yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> before, yeah. before someone comes and like quotes me on that um, yeah, yeah. but i i think i think that is probably what's on the line so like though the individuals with the sickle cell trait might have like a selective advantage of survival um, just because the the parasite load in their system is not a, as much as it would be in a normal in a normal mm. person's um, mm. body system. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I think I think there is like there is enough uh, circumstantial evidence. <laughs> I'm <talking laughs> scientists now. <laughs> enough circumstantial <laughs> evidence that. Um, or let's just say coincidences or consequences that like that mm. perhaps like you know joins those two together that okay the reason we're seeing so much there is because it might be conferring more of like a selective advantage um for those individuals and yeah mm-hmm. now i don't know the details of like how so i know that with sickle cell they get like episodes right where like they become really really like yeah, chronic. Yeah, yeah. i don't know how often that is and how that kind of like ties in with you know if there's some sort of like season with like malaria infection and stuff like that. I mean, of course, in the completely different ge- geographical context, it's like they, those two are now put up, like put apart. Um, so I, I don't know the details of, of that to be like, oh, you know, maybe if they have like a, uh, an episode and there's an infection, like that's where they get the, you know, get the full advantage. Whereas one of those things where it's like, okay, it's not ideal <laughs> that you're in pain, but you're not dead. It's one of those yeah. things, right? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a yeah, bit explicit yeah. to say, but like it's one of those. It is one of those things. Before we speak technically, let's let's dive in socially first. Okay. Toby, have you obviously had? Not obviously. Have you had encounters with? I mean, people who are suffering from obviously sickle cell disease, which is the double S gene, and have like what's been your mindset about it? Perhaps from observations, from the friendship, from the relationship, from just general cultural scripts yeah so so i don't say i've had like um say first degree in that sense like connections or interactions with 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 people but i think second degree maybe a classmate here and there that maybe i wasn't super close to that you know typically you know i guess fall sick or something um um yeah that's usually the case and i think i have maybe no one or two people that have had sort of like a crisis after that and you know fortunately like died from that so I think that's that's one oh, side really? of things, yeah. But again, not not first degree connections is what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
I think aside from that, I think I think there was a there was a there was a season, I won't call it a season, but it was a period in the sort of like Nigerian space where it was a lot more there was a lot more there were a lot more conversations around it where when you're talking to a girl and whatnot, you're saying, Oh, just make sure you know ASAS and stuff like that. They were always and I feel like in churches as well, when the marriage seminars and things like that, one of the popular questions that will pop up is, Oh, I really like this guy, but we just found out that we're both AS. You know, can we still get married? So that's kind of like been the general exposure to mm-hmm. sort of like the conversation as much. Um, and I think for, I think if you, if you are like a sickle cell carrier, so if you're the of the AS, is it genotype you would say? Um, it, I feel like that's a much more top of mind conversation for you um, moving around life because when you start to meet people and if you're thinking about dating, that becomes important. But if you're like AA, you're almost like oblivious of this thing because you feel like you can just go around and like, you know, without really caring so much about it. So that's sort of like, I guess my own short story about it. Mm. I mean, I did read, and I'm looking at it now, I did read that there was started in 2004, which was ages ago, which was probably the point where we had not heard about it too much as in our circles, um, that the screening for, for, for sickle cell in the, during the primarital phase um, was done in, in 50% of the cases for churches. So many churches, as people, as people made that that question testimony time, whatever that was, whatever you gave, <laughs> yeah. um, I would say one in one in two would say we have to screen first before we can marry you in the church. Yeah. This was two thousand four. True, 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 true. All right. So I'm guessing now that that number might be higher. Hmm. Um, particularly in the south, southeastern parts, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and and churches then discourage them from from getting married. But it's it's a very it's a very funny thing because not funny it's a very complex thing because as you said those who are AA you might go around oblivious to it and I never thought about de- I never thought about it deeply until I think I had a family friend who she and the and her boyfriend who they're probably gonna go and end up that way had to break up because because um either one of them was carrying they were sorry they were because they were both carrying. carrying they're yeah. both carrying the S gene. But I remember them being already like so long into the relationship. Hmm. Right. And I can imagine like use of this kind of thing. And it then begs the question of if you're in this position, at what point, I mean, the researchers do say that it's better to screen early when there's less commitment, when there is um, less investment emotionally, resource-wise, time, etc to relationship uh, you have to screen early before you get in so deep but naturally speaking at what point is it easy to do in such circles but also come back to you Shell. obviously growing up in uk did, did these things manifest as much in your circles as conversation not really actually i think the first time i heard it was probably when i'm old when i was old enough to for the aunties in church to start saying, oh, when are you going to bring your husband? And I'm like, okay, side eye to that. And then that's when, that's when the conversation's like, not, not directly to me, but like it just kind of com- comes up in that sense. Um, but yeah, as I me mean, growing up, I, I don't know anyone like firsthand who has sickle. So I think maybe there was someone, um, a sibling of someone I knew um, at some point in my life uh, had, her her brother was sickle cell and i think there was a time there were times where he had crises and stuff and so it was like it was a constant like thing obviously at the priority of the family mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I think in the UK, at least around my circles, it's not it's never really been like a specific conversation. I do remember like doing a test for it, but honestly, I can't even remember like whether yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'll assume maybe not because like I don't remember. But yeah. like again, it's it's just it's just not even something I can I consider. I, I don't I don't mean to say that in a like, you know, um not being sensitive kind of thing. But I think mm. that's just been the case for me. Mm. Um but yeah I, I am I am aware that like it's it is obviously a, a serious thing and you know I don't know this person personally but I know if, um there's like this big content creator. I think she start, she got big like doing poems. I don't know if you guys know her. I don't, is it Fresh Simi or Okay. Oh, I don't know. Well, there, there, there's, there's a couple yeah, there's several. Yeah. Um, I, I, yes, that's okay. it. Super okay. child, that's it. Um, I think she was saying that her sister passed away. I think, oh. she, I think, well, I think one of her sisters had um that passed away had sickle cell. So she's one of those advocates and like also like giving blood and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like socially, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have like that. What's the what's the procedure for like in the in UK? I mean. I guess my knowledge of Nigeria's procedures is outdated, given that I haven't been there in a minute, and given that I haven't been in this conversations in a minute. But what's the procedure in the UK currently if you have an offspring with the SS gene? Do they have you on some kind of immediate? Um, I'm I'm actually not sure. Not I sure think yeah, I'm actually I mean, not sure. It's, genuinely, it's, it's, it's a very specific question. So I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah. Is, is you. Casey. I mean, I can do a quick Google search. Hold up. <laughs> what, to be, what do you think about and about the ethics of it in terms of obviously, if you meet someone or someone met you and you realize for some reason late down the line that you you have you can you can have a child who's there's twenty five percent chance of them carrying the SS gene. Hmm. Do you think it's an ethical question of? saying we can take the risk uh, that's a <laughs> that's a tricky one i feel like the default the default answer sort of like based on 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 evidence or actually i can't even use that as an example because i guess it's like asking someone who maybe you know is a sickle cell carrier and all of those things like do you think your parents shouldn't have i think maybe they're a better place mm-hmm. to kind of like answer the question mm-hmm. in that sort of way mm-hmm. but from from the outside looking in, I think it it maybe is unfair in a sort of way um, if you do it knowing fully well that this is because again yes maybe for the beginning part of the person's life you are responsible for you know caring for that person but at a certain points they become an adult and you know there's just all of these things going on and all of that so I I really don't know obviously like the church has taken its own position by not recommending it yeah. that way so I wouldn't necessarily say it's an ethical thing that's always very tricky to to throw that in there but I just think yeah it's I would say it's maybe unfair um particularly if the person didn't actually get to decide but again I wouldn't know maybe speaking to people that do have the the the, the that are carrying it you know what their thoughts are about that I'm sure maybe no one person's thoughts would be the same as the other person as well based on how how life has been for them so far but it does feel like a very cruel punishment to sort of like introduce yeah into- and and it fits into the ethical dilemmas that i think was one of the greek philosophers who spoke about flourishing in life hmm. and and your role to make others flourish in life versus your role to 
think about yourself. I can't remember who he was, but I know I've seen that somewhere about flourishing life. It might be Aristotle who speaks about happiness in that, in that, in that same language. I'm not sure. And, but of course, a difficult question, but I just thought to ask that because I think it's one of those things, as you said rightly, I think it's one of those things that you might get different views on depending on where you stand in the genotype pool. Hmm. But also what's funny is that doc- doctors will often tell you that there's a chance that you have a, a child that will end up mm-hmm. with a double S gene. And I think it's that chance that people, people might want to lean on, not particularly the fact that they, they, that they know that it's a guarantee. True, true. Right? That's so true. Like, they're like, like, okay, there's a chance. Let me lean on it. But I, I can just imagine the, I mean, for my friend who, my family friend who had to they have their breakup, I don't know how, how strong their love was, but I mean, in my head, they were in deep together. Mm. And, I, and, and I know she cried, but then people cry for less. Um, I cry when I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, 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 my point was that crying was not, should not be a measure for me to know how yeah. deep yeah. it was. I know, because right. I cry for less. That's why I just said that. <laughs> I, I <know>. um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I can imagine, like, hypothetically speaking, what might mm. you guys do if you find out? Well, hypothetically speaking, that someone you've been with for two years, you just can't go ahead with them because of something you can't change. Um, I'll just give my own quick answer. Yeah, it depends on if you want kids or not. And I feel like I'm of sort of like the personal, like I'm in that direction where like kids or no kids are not a deal breaker for me. And so I think if we both come to the understanding that, okay. Really? Yeah. I've, we can explore this in a different conversation. I so, do like, not know this, bro. I feel like this I've is new hit, information. I feel like I've hinted it a bit. No, no. So it's not it. Like, nice to write this down on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> write it down. Write it down. But 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 for me, I'm just saying like um. So it, it depends on the two people involved. But if it's that you know you want to bring kids into this world, um. Okay, let, you asked me the personal question. If I know we want to bring kids, hypothetically speaking, of course, yeah. Hypothetically speaking, if I knew that we wanted to bring kids into this world, then and it's not medically like there's no medical way to guarantee that that wasn't going to happen. Then it's almost a thing of actually. Medical question for Shaun. Can you test? Can you, can you, how soon can you? Ah. You can screen. Yeah. You can screen. You can screen the baby. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then that will introduce. How soon? <clears throat> like as soon as. I'm not sure how soon, but mm-hmm. I know that in the, in the very early stages. You can, yeah. Can. Which then introduces another question of abortion, right? So there's, there's, there's. Yeah. The, the, so you're already dealing with, with <laughs> medical <laughs> dilemmas already. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's kind of, so my, my default answer will just be, um, if we decide not to have kids, then sure, then that's not a problem, right? Um, you know, yeah. Sean, how about that's a good question? So, actually, for me, I think I'm a bit of Toby where for me, having kids or not is not, like, I literally switch. There's days where I'm like, I don't want to have kids. And I'm like, oh, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I think for me, it's not like a huge deal breaker. Um, but of course, it's obviously having a conversation with whoever that person is. Um, I think one thing, you know, to say, I guess maybe that's the privilege of maybe where you're located geographically is there mm. are technologies that can help with this, right? If it's that it's something that you're, you know, the, the couple is really like wanting to have as a thing, then, you know, there, there are options, right? I, I mean, they might be expensive yeah. and that's where the privilege comes in, but mm. it's not like, it's not like it before where, you know, for, for maybe a lot of the people who are now like, you know, adults with sickle cell the parents didn't know, like, you know, this, you have to also, also kind of like realize that, you know, the knowledge we have now is not the same as before. So a lot of what mm. we do, we're doing it in knowledge of what the impact could be, but it's also knowing and appreciating that we, there are ways that we can like, you know, go about and circumvent 
this. Yeah, um, yeah, but I guess exactly. for me personally, like, I don't know. It's, too, it's such a big question. It is. It is I don't it have is. enough brain cells for that. It is. It is. And I appreciate it's a big question. And I think sometimes I ask this question knowing that it's, it's that tough, but also just yeah. to get everyone think, everyone listening thinking. Your turn. Your turn. Um, oh, my that's turn. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. He always does this. Like, he asks the question and then he moves on like he's the host. Come back Please. to you, right? in, Exactly. Please answer your question, my G. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I got caught in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good catch, Toby. Good catch, good catch, good catch. I think for me, um, I am a very pragmatic, scientific man for the most part. So my answer would be no. Hmm. Um, it won't go further. Um, and I think given what I've known about this for, I just known on the surface about this for the last seven years, eight years of my early 20s. Um, I realized my early 20s began. No, not eight, seven, 10 years. What am I talking about? I'm 30 now. Um, I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that I turned it this year. Yeah. I think I think it's definitely something that I would have put a <clears throat> barrier on and said no. Um, no matter how much it hurts, I'll think about that logically first. Hmm. And that's just my answer. And funny enough, my family friend I was speaking about, she's, she's, she got married last year to somebody else. So, Congrats to her. <laughs> so it's it's not the end all and be all, I guess. I mean, I'm not saying the same for everybody. People, some people meet somebody who they probably can't leave behind. Yeah. But hypothetically speaking, I imagine that my logical sense will override all the yeah. potential emotion. Mm. But again, if we're in that position, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, but speak and putting what we can't change on pause, going to things that we can change. One thing that, one thing that's on the rise now is transplants. Um. I guess transplants, maybe transplants. What do you mean? Bone marrow transplants for but the. Specified. Oh no 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 yeah yeah, yeah yeah let me specify. So shall I say, <laughs> um, not bone not bone marrow transplants per se because that's still quite technical and I would say novel in a way, isn't it, Sean? I would say so. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah yeah. I mean maybe a more social transplant on things that are not necessary. So like um, hair oh, okay. transplants. Oh um, right okay. How do they work? Do you know? Cell wise. <laughs> And, and I, feel so like actually, I, I feel like I'm, I'm just asking you every, every question every that every question that has to do with cells. <laughs> it's like, like just give an answer. Disclaimer. It's like video. Give me an answer. Everybody, just just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I'm killing you today. I'm oh sorry, guys. Gosh. She's not. She's wow. a brilliant, she's a brilliant woman, but I think I am. I am. I am overheating. You're <laughs> <laughs> the top too much. <laughs> Oh, so I think all right. But this is what happens you know, when when I don't speak to people like doing like, sciences every day. Mm. So apologies. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I'll say I don't know the details of it, but funnily enough, so on my YouTube, there's this guy I forget his name. Um, my my YouTube playlist is so weird. Anyway, he he does hair transfers. Most of us I know someone who's already getting parent. He's in his twenties and his parent that he's gonna go bald. So I started going into it and I know about like the like this F U T kind of thing. So I know about like they're able to like take something. There's this like name for like how they um how they measure your your baldness. So like if you have like this bit like the the crown of your head being bald first and then it goes to like more of the the sides of your of your mm. head anyway so most likely the, the sides of your head and towards the back retain the hair so they're able to like get hairs from that and pluck it in there i don't know like actually 
like mechanistically what happens but i think it's just more that what you're getting is that is the retainance of the hair and maybe because it's because it's your cell type your genetic there's less there's a less of an of an immune response mm. so it's just then more that the hair follicles just kind of implant into the system and they're like okay we're here now <laughs> not not a thing of like you know they're kind of fully i don't know regenerating but again i, I can be completely wrong i'm just speculating at this point yeah, yeah. um but for me, I feel like in regards to the whole stem cell thing and like kind of stem cell treatments and stuff, I don't know. I, I, I feel kind of two ways with people who use it more for like the commercial kind of like thing. Rather, and, yeah. yeah, cosmetic thing rather than like, okay, you know, we want to maybe, you know, use your stem cell to generate some sort of organ and like put that back in you where that way there's less of an immune response. I think for me, that's where my heart lies more in the more mm. like translational aspect not that i'm doing anything actively in that field at the moment i don't know that i will like moving forward but i think you know with the level of information that we have i feel like that's where we sh- that's where a lot of the efforts should be placed on and you know seeing that people are kind of trying to kind of jump on board especially with the, like the more cosmetic part i mean i guess it depends on you know what what's your self-esteem like if you're bored i mean i choose to be bored on purpose so i don't know yeah. um yeah. So it's, what are some examples? Sorry, what are some examples of cosmetics? Um, well, like you hear, involved? so you hear of like people who like. I mean, I, I don't know about details of this, but like they're companies who like they do stem cell therapy that are hoax, and you have people who are actually ill that do this. I was like, these are there's not enough extensive research on this to know mm. that these things actually work. So you have like rogue, like like bodies or institutions that are like taking advantage of this technology. And mm. then they are basically like capitalizing on people who don't know any, don't know any more, or they don't don't know this in detail, and are so desperate for a treatment, and they're doing this. So for me, that's the part that like that really kind of irks me. Mm. Um, and I think that's where like education is really important, like knowing you know where are we at with the technology and where are we trying to go. So funnily enough, I'm actually going to a summer school in September that's based around stem cells and regenerative medicine. So I think that's going to be like a great way for kind of me to get really involved in the conversations about, you know, where we're at um, yeah. and where we want to be and how we can do it in an ethical way. And that's a very important, like, that's a very, very, very important thing, especially with stem cells, is because it can go so rogue. So I'll tell you an example. So with stem cells and kind of regenerating, there's, there's this whole idea of like you can design a baby. Mm. I don't know if you're a designer babies kind of thing. Design a baby? Nah. Yeah. yeah. So like, like what features you want to accentuate? Yeah, pick what features. Like yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, how? So if it's like you know the genetic too? profile, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You, you can then pick, okay, so if they express ah. this gene, then this eye color will come through. They'll have this, this certain like air Who's hair doing color. this? <laughs> i don't know but there was there was a i can't remember the name of the scientist but like oh my guy jumped the gun so there's this technique called crispr and it's basically this cool thing where you can go so as you mentioned toby gene editing right yeah so if it's that for example you know that there's a specific gene that is um mutated you can edit it in such a way that you put in the correct like base right yeah. so if it's like maybe it's like an atcg like miss um, mismatch then you can correct that now you know in like on paper we could do that we could <laughs> we could do that in principle right okay 
this person has to even with the sickle cell thing you're like okay this gene this gene is mutated we can correct it and we can we can place mm. that in there and have a baby the problem with that is that we don't know we what don't impact know. this is going yeah. to have mm-hmm. now there was a scientist who did this i can't remember what what this, he did this for but he basically like designed like gen- like manipulated genes da, 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 made this all the way to like full term the baby was born all that kind of stuff when scientists heard about this this guy was shunned from the scientific mm. community because oh, yeah, you don't yeah, do yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah you do yeah. not do it. so i think that's for things like you know I, and I, that, that's what I kind, of, I kind of want to really put and emphasize is that as a scientific community there is a lot of deep discourse around this and like you know just being ever so conscious of what we're doing and like we're not now playing god or we're not now you know doing all those things that we don't even know what the impact will be 20 30 years down the line yes you can correct this but you don't know what you're gonna be exactly exactly and and i think that's you know it's it's like yes it's good that we're making forefront and we're pushing ahead but we always need to be considering you know what impact is this going to have what impact is this going to have like the gashos that i work with I can work with them because yes, they start to mimic like bits of the of development, but the reason I can work with them is that because we know that they don't develop brain within that system so that they don't become sentient, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to stop <laughs> growing. Yeah. A whole yeah. deal. You know, like, oh. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. I wanna I want to make a child <clears throat> and just have it in there. Like, so I think I think it's it, it's it's important for me to hi- highlight that that there is like ever, ever ongoing discussions about this. You know, as PhD students here at Cambridge, like a lot of the, the first year courses we do, that's input into our like courses to make sure that we're discussing this and like that's at the forefront of our minds with the research that we do. Mm. That you know we're not it's it's a balance, right? Yeah. It's good to it's good to have it's good to have the questions, it's good to seek knowledge, but <laughs> also like you yeah know. it's like it's like uncle ben said in spider-man like with great power comes great responsibility right and yeah the power of knowledge the power of science the power of all, all of these things i think it always has to come with the responsibility side which is what yeah. again the tech ecosystem uh which i guess i am vaguely a part of tends to forget a lot of times because mm. i think with tech there isn't this guy you and your your ecosystem you My... <laughs> don't like those guys don't you <laughs> do you rather I, I i really don't know but but just the fact that obviously with tech a lot of the impact of decisions that are made they're not necessarily immediate right and because they're not even on a biological level they're usually on a psychological you know level mm-hmm. sort of thing so people are always people feel free enough to just experiment it's like Elon Musk coming up and saying, oh, they're going to remove the ability for you to block people on Twitter Mm. because for whatever reason, right? But then there are other implications that you need to think about before making certain decisions. But anyways, before I go too much in that, I had a question around like cost, right? Because whenever we Mm. hear all these like fancy things, technology changing, blah, blah, blah. You know, when we introduce that conversation into emerging markets, the idea around cost comes around. So I'm just wondering, is there any work I know you're aware, maybe it's something I need to actually check myself, just what the work is around stem cell research on the continent, like in, in Africa specifically, or maybe what you can maybe specifically answer to is like, how much does it actually cost to do some of these things? And is it currently just heavily funded? Or is this something that is, I guess, simple to access for, you know, emerging markets if you're thinking about it? Um. So I think in principle, it is accessible. Hmm. But at a price <laughs> so 
I mean, I think we're at the stage where, I mean, number one, right, there's still a lot that we don't know. So it's like, it's not a fully curated system. They can be like, oh, we have like a pipeline and, you know, boom, 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 Bob's your uncle, all of that. Hmm. So there's that to consider. And, you know, it's it's also a thing that with a lot of these techniques, um, especially if companies get into it, they want to capitalize and not in a way of like they're trying to gain profit, but hmm. because these things are expensive to set up. These things mm. are extensive, like they cost money. So just kind of sidebarring a little bit, there's this cool technique that has become like a, the rage in science. It's single cell sequencing, right? So you can get a sample, you can go take it out to sequence, get all the information about the DNA, the RNA, to a single cell basis. So you know, in this particular cell, these genes are expensive, da, 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 da. And now everyone is doing it. When it first came out, it was super expensive. It wasn't accessible. So like you send your samples mm. in and it's like, what, 10,000 pounds to send, to send it through. Now it's like, okay, so in the thousands. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing where like it becomes more and more accessible but it's with time. So I think in regards to the cost, it's like, okay, you have to think of two things that, okay, we don't have a pipeline set. And even mm. if we do, then you're going to have like the first set kind of like yeah. of companies and startups are going to take that on first and like, you know, innovate and all of the yeah, things, yeah. Before yeah. it starts getting accessible, and then the other thing as well is then like, going back to what I was saying earlier that like with a lot of these things, it's like, is it a need or is it a want? Mm. Right? Mm. Because if it's a need, then it's something that's more likely going to be like maybe in the in the context of the UK, it might be implemented within the NHS that makes it more accessible. Mm. If it's a want, then you're you're going to have premium. to bear the brunt of the yeah. cost, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's things like that, and even even with the whole thing, that kind of need thing, it might be that it's a need, but it's not fully like it's not fully like developed in a way that some some like the the institute like the NHS can afford for so many mm. people to do. So again, it's it's all about timing and like where we are at with the technology. Mm. Um, there's actually funny enough in Cambridge, and I think they have branches in other countries like in the US. Um, there's this big <laughs> institute that's just opened up called Altos, and it sounds very futuristic, the name Altos. But their whole focus really is on like stem cells and regenerative medicine and like how a lot of the research, the research that people do can actually then be implemented in a translatable way that mm. can make it somewhat accessible to patients. Yeah. So you have a lot of like um, new, um, neuro, neural researchers, neuroscientists, one of yeah. those words, yeah, right? Yeah. Those guys. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and it's like, and, and at, at what's what I quite like. I mean, I don't know that I would want to work there, like specifically, but what I quite like with that is that you get a merge of people who are clinicians and researchers. So they are at this right. like interface of they see the patients, they see the impact, they see the progression of the disease, but they also have an insight on okay, this is how these things work. This is how we can pick this apart, and you have like. To, Things like if you can get patient-derived cells, where you can again obtain these these cells, these samples from the from mm. the patient, patient, culture them in in vitro, mm. ask all these questions, see what and the not test it directly on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, it, it, with a lot of these things, like things are being put into place, but it's just like there's so much we don't know, and it's always that risk, right? Okay, yes, we we can have this idea, but you don't want to jump the gun Pandemic, and put it into yeah. patients. You know, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 about being. It's about being wise with like the all of Risk these different reward. like aspects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I've 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 got maybe a final question technically and for you, Shane, why should the average young adult care about cells, stem cells, and perhaps 
eight, question one B is how does that knowledge link to management of health? Mm. So <laughs> you don't have to care. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your question that presupposes an assumption. Like, <laughs> uh, you don't have to care. Yeah. No. Um I think it's for me, the reason why I care about it is because like you, you are yourselves like you you literally can't go anywhere without yourselves right so mm-hmm. i think that that for me is the most important part of like why i care about it um in the regards of like you know health and stuff i think the knowing kind of the impact of you know or knowing more about the mechanisms or the underlying reasons things happen so let's say you have genetic mutations and kind of understanding how that like works. So, for example, in the cancer field, you have I can't remember what cancer it is, but there's certain researchers in the in my um, at my institute where they're like, okay, we know that this specific gene um conf- like infers a um infers a phenotype, but then sometimes you have regression. So, you're like, okay, you, you cure the cancer, but another gene gets gets activated, and then you go back to remission, and you're like, you're you're back at mm-hmm. and started, and it ends up being even stronger. So, I think. Because we're in then age where, like, you know, the, the idea is to try and live longer, right? So we need to know about, okay, what are the things that are going to happen by the time you start reaching these ages? And also in the UK, we are we have such an old population. There's a lot of old people just carting around, right? So it's like so there is. <laughs> oh god! I'm so sorry for my one-liners. No, like, no. we don't. I don't mean to come across as insensitive. But... Love it, love it. Carry on, please. <laughs> but. But it means that, like, you know, as, like, just in the context of the, of the UK and the government, there's a requirement, there's a need to take care of this population, right? Mm. And, you know, we are all going to grow older. And, again, we're in a day and age where we can do that. It's not like, you know, we're going to get, I mean, the COVID happened, and that was a bit of a sidebar. But, you know, there, there's a chance that we're all going to live past, what, 70s easily, mm. right? Mm. So the more we know about what, like, what happens at, you know, the more terminal A, um, um, stage of life and we know and the more we understand that and how we can start to almost in a more behavioral way how we can almost circumvent certain things right so for example right okay smoking sorry in 20 years time you will look worse than your age and your body will be crying right <laughs> so it's like if it's like you know what the impact is you know how to behave not to do that okay then you go back even with cancer right when we we hear this thing with, with black people that okay don't think because your skin is darker you have more melanin that you can just go into the sun and then, so it's, it's because of the research that we do looking at the impact of all of these like even environmental things on our health that mm. we can kind of figure out ways of okay how can we then advise people on what they should do or what not to do so mm-hmm. for me, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the impact of this. And this isn't even just moving away from now being in a disease context of mm-hmm. like, okay, now you have mm-hmm. this, you know, now you've acquired, or like even like with diabetes, right? You have the type two, type type one, type two. There's one of those that is more like because of your diet. So if you can know how to, you know, circumvent this from when you're younger, you put yourself at a way better stage for mm-hmm. the life mm-hmm. you want to live and you live a healthier life, mm-hmm. a more, a greater mm-hmm. quality life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah. that that's where all of this stems from. Um, I like that. No so. pun intended. Mad, 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 mad. You've been catching. Oh, gosh. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Love it. <laughs>
Uh, no, that I think that's thing about uh, this. Uh, whenever we have these conversations, is we think we can talk about something in one hour and a half, one hour and twenty minutes, but one topic unpacks many other topics. Mm. Um, I think a big one for me is the need to discuss and break down ethics even more as a concept for us to impact Toby and I, which we we'll do at some point this season. Um, but just some personal questions: Have you been to Nigeria any time since? Um, not since I've left, actually. So I left when I was nine, and I'm 27. So right, it's right, been a okay. while. Okay. It's been a minute. Um, it's been a minute. <laughs> I think it's it's mostly stemming from like my the paranoia my dad has of us going back to Nigeria. Apparently, like that we just fair. look like we are ready to be kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, do you know what? I'll stay in the UK. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I do want to go at some point, but I think it has to be like a big enough reason for me to go. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Do you were you were you born in Lagos? Am I missing? Uh yes, I was born in Lagos, okay. and we lived there for the most part, and then yeah, we moved when I was nine. So what's the big dream after PhD? <sighs> Boy, <look here. laughs> don't hear me with that question. Like, why, why, why are you gonna stress me out? Which I said, I don't uh, know. No, why no, will you do no, this no, to no, me? No. I, I, I honestly, I do because like, I, I did, I, I did do a PhD, but I know that's a question you don't just throw at people. Like, no, exactly. you don't. You don't. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of, fact, I kind of forgot. Let, I kind of forgot. Let me, let me bring that back to you. What are you doing? I'm like, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, if I, you asked me a year ago, I'd have been like, nah, don't, I'm not asking this question. I did ask yeah. you, and those were the kind of responses you gave me. So I'm surprised <laughs> you just drifted out to someone else like that. <laughs> so yeah. at the moment, I know, I think that I don't want to particularly stay in academia. Like, I don't want to like run a lab at some point. Um, so I, I genuinely don't know, but it's not that I don't know and I'm not doing anything about it. I think me not knowing, going back to what I was saying earlier, like, mm. you know, I like to give myself options. So for example, as I said earlier, I'm going for this um, summer school in September and I think I'm going to really use that as like a networking avenue. Mm. Um, really just, I mean, number one, to know the research and like know what the field is about, but also to like get myself out there in regards to people. Um and I'm also then thinking of other like, you know, options. I might do, I might switch to industry. So I'm funded by AstraZeneca. I'm hoping at some point in my third year to kind of do some sort of like three month placement with them where I can, you know, do more research on my project, but in their context. Mm. So again, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm, I'm going to start thinking more heavily about it, like coming towards the, third of my, the end of my third year. So it's not like I don't know. It's just more like the opportunity hasn't come yet. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah. see. Yeah. So it's I, I, it, I know what I don't want at the moment. So I'm that's kind of preparing me to really explore other options. I was actually at summer school in July, offered by the CRUK um, Institute at Cambridge for like entrepreneurship, and I got access to like many scientists that were able to like build up startup companies from the research that they've done. So that in itself like has opened my eyes up to like other what other options. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the most important thing for me of like, you know, I don't want to just go into go into a postdoc. Like of course I might do cool research, but like there are other things I could do. Um also I'm passionate about science communication. So you know I could build something up there. Mm. I'm just I'm I'm just letting options it be, you know? Options do, like... options do. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, all right. Um, I think for me, this has been interesting. I definitely like to have in podcast again at some point in the future. I'm down um, for that. Talk yeah. about something else. Um, but yeah, I think this has been interesting and really good. I really th- thank you for coming and trying very hard to 
show your true, true beliefs about what you're mm-hmm. doing, about the area that you're doing it. Because I know as it's easy for people to just give scripted answers for the most part in this in this kind of domains, which is the easier route. Um, but I, I appreciate your honesty and your candor. Um, definitely link up with you in Cambridge at some point. Calm down. Um, I'll take you punting. Um, that punting, I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to look it up on Google and look, see what's yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. besides, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to visit because um, I have, like I said, I have a project there mm-hmm. in October. So, um, what was I going to say before we wrapped up? I can't remember what it was. I think it was one of my. Oh yes. So for anyone listening, um, who might want to connect with you online. Where can they find you, etc.? So I am Ocean on. Bank. I am on almost all the social platforms. Sheldon in Science, so my first name S E U N in Science. Um, so I think I have certain personas on different platforms. Love it. TikTok <laughs> is my most unhinged one. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, Instagram, I act somewhat sane on Instagram. YouTube is my most like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> let me advise you on things. But on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn, I guess, is my most professional one. So that's my full name on Lua Shona So yeah. yeah. All right. So it, goes, so it goes from LinkedIn to YouTube to Instagram to TikTok. Yeah. And then the skills, wildness, yeah. just professionalism. Yeah. And there's that. Twitter, but I've kind of been ignoring my Twitter for a bit. I need to get on, on that a little bit more, but yeah. Okay. So it's just all shown in Yeah. Shown so um, on the social media platforms, it's shown in science. For LinkedIn, it's my full name, Olua Shown from Delay. Right, right, right. Toby, any last words? Um, no, just thank thank you for coming on. I think uh, this is our attempt at doing something relatively different on the podcast. Like yeah, the true, topics. true, um, true. But it still felt like I guess I had my initial thoughts about how you might potentially go because I usually told Wally you're going to drive this episode because number one, I don't know why you're curious about this. Number two, <laughs> I, I, looked, I looked at his notes and I'm like, what's here? But actually, when I took time to actually watch a few videos and just look at look it up, I think it's like an interesting space. And um, one thing I'm learning how to do in life, and I'll wrap it up here is like you said just connecting different things that you're exposed to um and bringing it all together so yes i mean technology i like a bit of psychology but if you're looking at science i think there's ways that what you've seen and what you're interacting with on a daily basis can help you understand some of these things better because i think all of the things you've shared here i don't think anything flew over my head which was quite interesting for me to see as well so um or more a testament to how well you can explain things i would take i would take small credits but i think most of the credit goes to you as well well but thank you sir thank you so much for coming up show really appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's been like a riveting conversation and you guys have actually test like pushed me on the way i can explain things which i always like to do so yeah thank you so much hi there and we're quite sure that the podcast landscape on your device is massive and yet you found us and you chose to indulge in our long-form complex sense-making dialogues and for that we applaud you more importantly we say a big massive thank you if you enjoyed this podcast if it made you smile think debate or even disagree please show some support you can do that in five simple ways number one give us a great rating and review and subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast number two leave a comment let us hear you but more importantly let our community hear you as well number three share this episode with somebody new somebody you thought about when you were listening someone you think would enjoy it Number four, if you're active on social media, connect, connect, connect. It's yellowpeelpod on Instagram slash threads and yellowpeel underscore pod on Twitter. 
five and finally you can join our patreon community down link below once again thank you for taking yellow peel with us today it's wally your co-host next to me is toby and we should do very best in the coming hours days weeks and months but we'll see you again soon till next time peace and love people peace and love <laughs>